0: Episode 64, The Rant. Ralph and Ralph Crespo, a lacrosse and field hockey official father, a basketball referee son, and sharing a bond that brings them even closer than close. Respected officials, respectively. Ralph the Ref sits down with two other refs named Ralph that share the love of the craft of officiating. The father, a gifted communicator and lax and field hockey, and son, a basketball official with a jump shot that will never make me play the game again. They discuss their relationship with the games they officiate, the relationship that they have with each other, and how they keep it all in the family. All that and more, my conversation with the Crespos, now. The rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life. And with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, Strawberry coconut. Ah! Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO, vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just two grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.Land code referee rant. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Knee Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter Knee Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9-to-5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neatucks.com and enter the coupon code rant one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's referee rant one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to a special Ralph, Ralph, and Ralph edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with two other refs named Ralph, Ralph Crespo and Ralph Crespo Jr. and Sr. Yes, How are you guys doing? What's up, man?
1: Hey, What's going on?
0: So we're we in lovely Balden, where I grew up um, and I just wanted to, you know, accompany by saying how I met these two gentlemen. Uh, we'll talk about senior first. He did one of my first lacrosse games, which is something I will never, ever forget. Um, he was the first person that made me feel comfortable in blowing the whistle in the game of lacrosse. Um, and we had a down and dirty game. It was like a, a East Rockaway middle school versus Hempstead and, and, it was when Bay Park was under construction and there was dirt flying. And yes. not only was the dirt flying, it was Ralph's uh, penalty f- uh, flag throwing up in the air yes. because yes. I definitely wasn't doing it. <laughs> and then, I, where did I meet Ralph? I met Ralph Jr. Um, I think the only way I met you was, was officiating you in basketball.
2: Yes. In the and adult league. Him.
0: And through him, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. And, and then you guys were from Baldwin and mm-hmm. your name is Ralph. So yeah. I always thought that was a crazy coincidence. But... Nonetheless, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks Thank for you. having me, man. Okay, what? so not don't not everyone answer all at once, but um I guess let's start with you, senior. What were the sports that you played growing up? Where did you grow up and um talk about your journey in sports.
1: Okay. Um well, the sports that I, um that I played when I was young is it was basically almost everything. It was a seasonal thing. Like um in the fall we'll play um football, you know, around the neighborhood and stuff like that. Um when the spring came around, we played um, uh, baseball and basketball, and then the summertime was, was mostly baseball. So I played a
0: little bit of everything. And this was where? This was in Washington Heights. I grew up in Washington Heights. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, so did you end up playing in high school or in college?
1: No, no, I did not play. Um, it, it, was, it was weird because I actually, in, in, in high school, I took up um, swimming. I took swimming and I, I was on the swim team. And that was because I, I always wanted to be a lifeguard. I mm. wanted to be a lifeguard. And then I found out, you know, that they make um, some good money. So that's why I became a, a swimmer. And, and that also pushed me to become a lifeguard.
0: Interesting. What about you, Junior? How did, what was your uh, relationship with sports growing up? What did you play?
2: Well, because my dad played everything, uh, I had to play everything. So I was playing... Uh, football, basketball, lacrosse, a little bit of baseball, but I, I couldn't get into it when I was younger. It was moved at a slow pace, so I wasn't a big fan of that. But definitely basketball, football, and lacrosse, and that was, basketball was my first love.
0: And you played all those sports in high school on in the team? In high school,
2: yes, yes. Uh, all the way to varsity. Cool. For all three of those sports. Did you end up playing
0: in college at all?
2: I did not play in college. I ended up uh, injuring my knee pretty badly my senior year in a basketball game, so that kind of stopped everything.
0: mm but i guess the recurring theme is that we all have had experiences in sports so senior i'm going to take it back to you what um got you to the point where you decided that you wanted to become an official how did that even uh get on your radar
1: oh um it was a it was introduced um to me by a good friend of mine named eric sanders who's official who is an official now um we was working, you know, I was a correction officer, he was also a correction officer. And at the time, um, the, the overtime was slow at, at um, our jobs. So, you know, he asked me um, if I was interested in officiating, i said say, sure, okay. You know, he told me they make, you know, pretty good money. I say, sure, let, let's do it. And that's when he introduced me. Um, first he introduced me to um, field hockey that was the first um, of, uh, official um, course that I took, a field hockey official. And then um, the season after that, then we went into um, lacrosse. We took the class for lacrosse.
0: So you did a whole bunch of sports that you had known nothing about. Exactly.
1: <laughs> nothing at all.
0: So does that mean, to, is that safe to say that Eric knows how to sell anything to anyone? Because <laughs> I just find that crazy how... <laughs> I would say so. Your first sport was field hockey. Feel happy.
1: Never heard of it. Um, didn't know anything about it. But he said, let's go take that class. So I said, all right, let's do it. I mean, like I said, the overtime was slow at work. I had nothing else doing um, going at that time. So I said, let's do it.
0: And Junior, what did you? Um, how did you even think about um, officiating? Was it something that you watched your father growing up? or?
2: Well, uh, when we were younger, and especially on the weekends when my dad used to do like P.A.L. lacrosse games, he would take me and my brother with him, my twin brother. And we would just watch him ref or we would go to the side and you know go to the playground. Whatever. Point being is that I got introduced to re- officiating by my dad. So when seventh grade came along, some local PAL programs will allow you to ref if you're, uh, I think, seventh grade and above. And they'll let you just do games for like a small fee. So when the course came up for basketball, I was like, sure, I'll do it. I love basketball. And I got paid for it on top of it. It was a home run. So yeah. that's how I got. I, really, I started refing at the age of, I think, 13, 14 so I,
0: I think that's kind of a dream. Like, man, I wish I discovered it when I was 13. But at the same time, when you are 13, you want to play basketball. So how conflicting was that um, refing? Or it was just like just a little part of, you know, a certain season and then you just end up
2: playing anyway. It wasn't conflicting at all. What happened was it's the same thing as it is now. You give them availability. So I, I used to give my assigner, which was uh, Bob Cuccio and Baldwin. Great guy. I just tell him, listen, and he knows that I, me and my brother play basketball. So, hey, listen, I can't work for you on Saturday mornings. And some days I have practices at school, but other days, all for it. Mm. So sign me up. So, so you knew about all this stuff. I knew how to do my own schedule by the time I was 18 and all
0: Unbelievable. that. <laughs> so that's the only sport that you officiate. And if you were to officiate
2: any other sports, what would it be? Well, I officiated girls lacrosse for a time. And that was definitely all my dad that got me into that. Um, it was good exercise, one. I played boys lacrosse, but didn't know that it's basically two different sports, it boys is. lacrosse and girls lacrosse. Um, so I, to this day, I don't know much about girls lacrosse, but I did it for maybe a year or two. And then I got sidetracked because of work, but I would love to go back to girls lacrosse. And another sport I'd probably do is boys lacrosse, mm. just because he did it. Right. And it'd be a good way to work with him and my brother.
0: And senior, you would say that, um, it's safe to say that lacrosse is probably your favorite sport to officiate and... Um, aside from all the sports that you do officiate, um, what would be another sport that you would consider officiating?
1: Well, with the first question, yes, definitely. Um, lacrosse is my favorite, without a doubt. And uh, field hockey also, I enjoy it also. I enjoy doing field hockey. And to consider another sport, I've been considering probably in probably taking the class of, of um, soccer. Mm. A soccer official, um, I'm interested in probably doing
0: that, yes. Yeah, and, and one good thing about in Nassau County, that if you get a, if you get certified for uh, the boys' class, you are automatically certified for the girls' class. That's how much of a shortage there is mm, for soccer. So, okay. you know, even if you take the girls' class, you're certified for boys and vice versa. Okay. And I found that out because I went through the circuit. Good to know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you were talking about you and Brian, who also was a lacrosse official. Yes, boys um, lacrosse official. How do you think your father shaped the way you thought about refing? especially all those times where, you know, maybe you saw him, uh, I guess, handle adverse situations and handle parents? And um, you probably never saw your father get screamed in the way that he did. No. And you probably thought it was weird the way he was handling it. How do you think that shaped your way of how you thought about officiating on top of your experience officiating at a young age?
2: When I was little, I used to want to yell back at the coaches, yelling at him, like, Yo, why are you talking to my dad like that? But, um... He, my dad's a pretty mild-mannered dude, so watching him talk to people and coaches, especially in this case, it helped me and my brother be able to officiate and just talk to people, too, because mm. now we're not going to come back at you at a hostile tone, either. I'm sure you know some rest to get yelled at, they get flustered and all that stuff, but not. Not me, for the most part, anyway, and especially my, my brother, too.
0: It's funny you should say that, because your brother always tries to get into hostile situations with me when I referee him. That's and- different when he's playing. <laughs> when he's playing, that's different. That's, that's funny. The <laughs> he definitely has, though. Yes. Um, so, also, was there ever any point where your father said, you know what, you should referee, or do you think you just kind of subconsciously just through osmosis and just watching him lead you to that conclusion. And I only ask that because I have a young son, he's six years old and, you know, I've never had him once give a conversation and say, you know what, you should officiate. You should learn how to do this when you're 18 years old because, you know, I'm already putting my money that he's not going to make the NBA. And I don't know if that's a good thing to say to a kid that um, I can't really tell what his potential is in life. Mm -hmm. um, And I don't want to crush his dreams. And I also don't want him to live, I don't want to live vicariously through his actions. I want him to, if he wants to be a ballerina, let him be a ballerina. That's if he it. wants to be a gymnast, let him be a gymnast. If he wants to be a tennis referee and sit in the shade and call let's, mm-hmm. let him do that. <laughs> um, but do you think there was any pointed conversations that your father had when you were young of saying like, hey, you guys should referee?
2: He never forced it on us. So we just wanted to become refs because we wanted to do it. And plus it was just good money, especially when we were in college and, you know, couldn't have full time jobs, so when I he told me he made like sixty bucks in an hour to do a lacrosse game, I'm like, sign me up, that's perfect. Mm. And then just to do basketball itself, I've, I get both best of both worlds. Like referee a sport that I love and still make it paid for is great.
0: Mm. Um And how does that make you feel as uh, the the father of two referees? Um, does that feel? Do you feel a sense of pride that they were able to take? something that you did before them and, and basically have a nice niche with that as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, it feels great, you know, that they both um, took the, took up the sport that they enjoy. As you know, I don't do basketball, but they love the sport of basketball. So they went into and, and, you know, took the courses of becoming a, a basketball referee. So uh, you know, I'm all for them. As they know, you know, I back them up 100%. And um,
2: it's a great feeling, yes.
0: I always wanted to ask you, how come you never wanted to become a basketball official?
2: I try to get them to do it all the time, too.
0: <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just curious because you're a great official from what I remember.
1: Um, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. I, I feel that um, the, the sport of basketball, I feel too many people act like if they know the rules and they interpret it in, in their way because they see it on TV right and they think you know all the you know that it's the same thing you know as in high school and college the same um um i would say the same cause. but it's it's a different game and also the game is so i feel that it's so enclosed in other words people are, are on top of you and right away they're yelling you know you get you get yelled at from from officials, um, you get yelled at from 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 coaches. You get yelled at from parents. You know, so I didn't want to deal with anything. I, you know, I kind of like the open the open space, the openness mm. of doing games in a field. Mm. And uh, you know, so that's why my, my interest was never into coaching basketball.
0: So, do you think refing basketball, based on what you said, that it's enclosed and that everyone thinks that they know those rules? You think all of those attributes. You mean to say that you think it's probably one of the most difficult sports to officiate in comparison to the other ones that you do do?
1: I would say so. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You guys who do um, you know, basketball, I really um, commend you guys because it's, it's a tough sport to, to officiate.
0: Mm. And speaking of tough things... Junior, I know that both of you and I are on the Catholic League circuit in the city, which are some of the toughest games that you could possibly I do. Yeah. I do. So just describe, you know, your journey of just doing basketball outside of seventh grade. So what was, you ended up taking the, the boys certification class in high school?
2: So being that my dad is a boys lacrosse official, he knows how to, how, how to, who to talk to in order because if you want to become a referee, you don't really know how to go about that. Right. Fortunately, he knew people that, hey, talk to this guy, call this guy, he'll be able to give you in the, get you in the class. Cool. Get the class, get certified, working for BOCES for a couple of years, then, you know, through networking, talking to people, hey, there's a tryout in, um, for the for a city guy, uh, Catholic, Catholic League. I said, sure, I'll do it. And then, you know, they, people start throwing names at me like Christ the King. He'll be refing Christ the King, uh, Cardinal Hayes, Zavarian. I'm like, oh, I know those high schools. That's, that'd be awesome to, to ref that. Mm. So that's why I ended up doing that. And, um... I love it. I love it. Bosies, it's, it's, it has its own level of difficulty, but to me, ref in the Catholic League, I've never, and I can't say this about Bosies, unfortunately. Right, it's okay. But I've never worked with a bad partner in the Catholic League. Mm-hmm. Never. Every partner I've ever had in that league is top
0: notch. I can attest to that. Um, and I, I'll say for myself personally, my personal growth as an official, it's changed everything for me. Yes. It's made me become more professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's made me grow out my facial hair a lot longer <laughs> when uh, <laughs> when I don't have to right, right, right. on the off offseason. Um, you know, just how everyone is treating the game. Um, and and more often than not, you're probably officiating with college officials. Yes. Right. So you end up elevating your game just being that experience. So mm-hmm. just talk a little bit about your Catholic League experience and, um, you know, what it's done for your growth as a basketball official, how you're taking it serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and where do you see yourself in the future with it?
2: Uh, my first game was um, at um, school in the Bronx. I think Saint Card- Raymond's. It wasn't Saint Ray's. It was. Um, it might have been Cardinal Hayes. But point point being is that my first game, I kind of went in there like nonchalant. I took it seriously, but not as serious as I thought. Mm. My partner came in. I know the the guy personally. We had ref outside of that, but and he was acting different. He was acting very different. And you're like, what's going on? Exactly. <laughs> and then he spoke to me. He's like, listen, this is not. CYO or whatever we were doing out. This is serious stuff. Were you surprised? At I that was very moment? surprised. And then I get out there and the crowds, it's a little different than working in Levittown or something like that. It felt <laughs> nervous. It definitely <laughs> it was, feels nervous. It was, it was, I was nervous. I was nervous for a little bit. Then the coaches know what they're talking about. Mm. So you can't go in there and just like fake the funk. Like you got to know what you're doing. Um, so that, but once I got a couple games in and I realized, oh, okay, I got to take this a lot more seriously than I was before and that made me better official mm. because now I go into majority of my games in that same mentality. Right. And, but then also because you're working with better officials, that's going to make you a better official because now you can start to, you know, become a sponge and start saying, ah, I like what that guy did. You know, I like the way he signals that call. I like the way he talks to coaches. I might incorporate it to my officiating game. So it, it's just done wonders for me. And I have no problem traveling to the city for it. I love it. I, if I got a game in Christ the King, and I have a game in Baldwin High School, I'd much prefer to go to Christ the King and Me work too. that game. Me too. I love it. Unless Baldwin plays Uniondale, I'd I, I take that game. Varsity, sure. i nah. no, I don't think
0: never. so. Um, I've never spoken about this on air, but my first game mm-hmm. in the Catholic League was John Letcher was in the front row. Oh, yeah? It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. And I remember walking in and I went, why is he here? Right. And I'm thinking, he's, he's like, hey, uh, yeah, I just want to see... This is how he talks. Mm-hmm. I just want to see what... Uh, what, what what my investment looks like now? You know I'm I'm, I'm near it towards the end. It's like okay, And so I do, you know I do the game and it, I didn't I didn't know this at the time. It was a varsity girls game, mm-hmm. and it was uh, Poly Prep versus Dalton. Dalton was thirteen and one. Poly Prep was fourteen and zero. And oh. for all intents and purposes, it was for the Ivy League championship. Um, and I killed that game. <laughs> I killed it. But, nice. You know, same thing as you were saying. It, it, it felt more professional. It felt like everyone was paying $70,000 a year to go to the school, mm-hmm. for Christ's sakes. Right, it was right, right. live streamed. Johnny Letcher was in the front. And, and the coaches knew what they were talking about. And they were yelling with the same tenacity yeah. of the intelligence of which they knew the rules. So I knew it was different. And to top it all off, my partner was Chris DeSanto. Do you know Chris DeSanto? The name sounds familiar. I probably know his name. He's
2: He's, He's deaf. deaf. Really?
0: So when I first met him in the locker room, I'm like, what's up, man? You must be Chris. He went, yeah. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> no. Right, 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 right. Not today. Wow. <laughs> not today. Please, not today. So I'm going in there, and you know, you're thinking, you know, same thing. When, when one thing is wrong, mm-hmm. right, in pregame, you're like, oh, you know what? I left my penalty flag. Do you have an extra one? Mm. No, I don't. Wow. Oh, what?" No. Oh, I don't have my beeper, mm. or I have my beeper, but I don't have any batteries in the beep. And we've been there doing yeah, absolutely. the like having it on, yeah, but it doesn't work. But you got to show them, and you are just doing the count. You know that feeling across, yes, absolutely. Um, but not only did I already feel off balance, I'm like, oh, now John Letcher's here too, and my partner's deaf. Right. Right. But it, it couldn't have went any better. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have went any better, and it, it changed everything for me. That's So. Awesome. Catholic League, John Letcher, thank you. Oh,
2: congratulations on the retirement, too, by the way, John. Yeah,
0: he'll. I'm sure he'll listen to this uh, Hopefully, at we'll some see.
2: point. Maybe.
0: <laughs> but I wanted to backtrack and talk about your experiences um, when you first officiated. How weird was it when you were on the field now and you know, now you got certified and now you're a field hockey official? Mm. So talk about your first game um, and just your experiences on the lacrosse field as well.
1: Oh, man. Um, lacrosse, definitely, like... I grew up in Washington Heights. I did not know anything about the game, so when I'm here, you know, and I'm on the field, and the thing is, you know, as you go through through the training and they put you on the field, you know, they they throw you out there with, with the uh, with um with the um high school kids. Mm. So you're out there, and this game is going a hundred miles an hour. I'm like, oh my god, what have I gotten myself into? You know, but then you know the guys were telling me, "Don't worry about it. You'll see it. You'll see." It. As the, as more games you do, the better you, you you get at it, and the more things you see. And they were actually right. Mm. I noticed that the more games that I did, the the more I saw, and the better I felt, and more comfortable I felt. So that's definitely true for any sport. The more games you do you know, the better you get at it because you'll see more. Mm. Yeah.
0: So, after saying all of these things, um, I'll start with you, Senior. Um, what do you think are the attributes um, that led you to get to where you are in terms of an official?
1: Well, definitely, you know, um, I wanted to become a better official and, um, you know, I, I just did more games. Um Every game that I did, you know, I used to arrive early. I used to open up my rule book. I used to read, you know, one paragraph, maybe one rule before the game, you know, just to get myself, you know, in, in game shape. I, I would say get myself ready just to go out there and, and do the best that I could. So um, and I, you know, as I approach every game, I did that. And, um, you know, at this point, you know, I feel real comfortable with the game.
0: That's good. And I, I remember you gave me a lot of good pointed advice when we had that first game and you said, don't worry. And one thing that really, really stuck out with me of something that you said is like, you know why you don't need to worry? You just got to do more games. You That's do it. more games. and I'll never forget that. You said just do more games. And it's very true. Yeah, it's very true. Even yeah. though you don't know anything. Right. You think, you know, you th- I have a six year old, so you could see the evolution of a kid learning how to brush their teeth. Correct. Right? So they're like, I don't know how to do it. And it's like, but you, the more you do it, right. the more you're going to get better at it. And it's the same thing. Even if you're not focusing on getting good at lacrosse, if you're going to do 100 games, there's no way you can't be good. Right. Right? And same thing in the Catholic League. If you do 100 Catholic League games, you just automatically step up to that level because you have no other choice. Right. Um, so having said that, um, what do you think are the attributes that uh, got you to where you are as an official today?
2: Uh, well, like I was talking about earlier, you got to be a sponge. You got to be able to... Well, and also, you got to be able to take criticism. So, as a younger official... I'm 25, so people still give me pointers and I love it. But being a young official, older guys are going to um, not criticize you, but they're going to give you constructive criticism. Mm. So, it's a little different. But uh, they're just going to tell you what should be expected of you, of you and what are some negative things that you're doing as far as like mechanics. Because that was my biggest issue coming up. My mechanics weren't that great. Mm. But not being sensitive to people telling me, hey, you need to work on this and this and this. So just being a sponge and hustling, grinding. Got to get out there and work games. Have to get out there and work games. That's the only way you're going to get better.
0: Mm. So one thing that we just all touched upon is the amount of games and that has a correlation with getting good. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just got off the phone with a news reporter and he's working on a story of why is there such a big downturn in officiating? Why is it not as popular and why is it difficult for people to see it through? And, you know, I'll just give you an example. One of my first softball games, it could have been my last softball game, Mm. right? Because it was, it was, you know, one of those moments when you officiate and you have beads of sweat and and, and it's like, it's the first time out and you're like, wow, only, only one minute and and 14 seconds just elapsed. And I'm nervous because I, I don't know how this game is going to go. I can't predict it because I don't know the rules well and I don't know what to call and my presence is off. And, you know, if you have one of those unnerving experiences and, you know, you go home and you take it home and you take it personally Mm. of what somebody said and then guess what? It happens the second time and then it happens the third time. You know, chances are they might correlate that and say, you know what, $50 isn't worth it. It's not for me. Yeah, It's not for me. So what do you think... What do you think people need to do and, and what do you what is a conversation that you would persuade somebody to stick with it to to because obviously we're all coming from a place that we're on the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, we we know that, OK, somebody might yell at me today, but I'm not going to let that ruin my day and I'm not going to let that change the way that I feel about it. But, you know, for when you're starting off, it, think about it like this. If you're a police officer, you got to go to the academy. You got to get properly trained. Mm -hmm. You graduate. Yep. And then you're still in training, right? So you might shadow somebody that starts, right? But officiating is much different because Mm -hmm. your academy is reading the rule book. Correct. They never tell you about the infield experience that you're going to have. Right. And training is different because when you're in training mode, you don't go, hey, I'm a trainee, so take it easy. No, you have to look like you've been doing this. And parents... Spectators, coaches, and players are not going to know that it's your first day. So how do we change that dynamic? What do you guys think about persuading people to think that it's an avenue to make decent money Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, retaining people that have had such a, a vicious, tragic experience in the beginning?
2: Well, going back to your analogy with police officers, the only way you're going to become an actual police officer is by going out there and working like the beat yourself. You know, you tra- following someone, shadowing someone is not going to really prepare you to become a great, a, a good police officer. So, same thing goes in rapping. You're only going to be able to become better at it if you just keep working. There's going to be days where you're going to get yelled at by everybody and their mother. And you just going to have to be able to try- not ignore it because sometimes you've heard stuff in the crowd where it's like, uh, it's not necessary. So, there's certain days where it's not going to be easy to ignore it, but mm. you have to just... Keep going forward and just kind of forget about yesterday. All right. Just like if you're playing the game of basketball, you just committed a turnover. Forget about it. It happened already. On to the next play. And that's how you have to look at each and every game. That game happened already. On to the next game. That's the way I did it. And what do you think?
1: Absolutely. Is, um, I go back to um, you just have to keep doing the games. You have to keep... Um, on top of your game, know your rules. As long as you know your rules and, and you implement it in your game, you'll be fine. Like, um, Ralphie said that, um, you, you'll find, you know, people will yell at you. You'll have coaches yelling at you and things like that, of that nature. But, as long as you know your rules and you're, and you're doing the proper mechanics, you know, whatever it is, and, you know, putting it into your game, you'll become better as you go. And, um, You know, you become a stronger official.
0: Mm. Yep. So I want to go back to you, Junior. Um, Just talk about some of the mentors that have helped you get to where you are now. And how has it shaped um, how you treat people that you mentor now?
2: Okay. Um, Well, obviously, my dad being the, the very first mentor... Uh, just teaching me how to just deal with coaching and stuff like that. But then you have other, are we allowed to like name drop on this? Yeah. Well, you, you know, we have guys like uh, Al Johnson, Mal- Malachi Wilson, Eric Sanders, of course. People like that, just one helped me to get into better situate better games. Kevin Foreman, another guy, great, all great guys. They saw me reffing in like CYO games. and Then they said, okay, well you're more than capable to do these games, which is higher level. And also higher level comes with um, higher intensity as far as the crowd's concerned as far as the player's concerned. Doing all that helps out a whole lot. And then they just, you know, if I ever have a, um, a problem with like a, pl- uh, a call or um, how to deal with a certain coach, how to deal with a certain player. Oh, and all, everyone's a phone call away. Mm. Call them like, hey, you know, I had this this, and this and this happen to me today. How would you have done that? And I think that's the best way to go about having a mentor. And then as far as me, I try to... Even still, like I said, I'm 25 years old, so I'm, I'm in no position to mentor anybody myself. But anytime I'm working with an official that has less time than I do, I just listen like, hey, we're in this together. We're going to be just fine. Mm. Don't well, worry about
0: it. you do beat them in dog years, so don't forget about <laughs> that. And <laughs> on top of that, the question before I go back to senior is, um, how difficult that has that been that you have always been perceived as a young young person being an official, as a person of authority because I ref my first game when I was 31 years old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I felt as though I had to grow as a person, be comfortable with myself, become a family man. You know, I I can't even envision, and I'm pretty sure that me and senior often think, sometimes from time to time of thinking like, man, what if I started this when I was 21? Mm. Where would I be in this game? Right. You know, obviously I'm not, I'm not having no regrets of how it happened, but, you know, it's got to be weird of, you know, being a person of authority, but still being young in this game, even though you have dog years. You think that's affected you um, in any way, negatively or positively?
2: Um, well, when I was 18, 19 and even 20, it was a little weird to be refereeing kids that are only four years younger than me. Mm. So to try to get them to respect me was a little bit difficult. But uh, fortunately, when I was 21, I ended up becoming a correction officer. And that really thrusted me into being an authority, uh, you know, being a figure with authority.
0: So that kind of helped you. The refereeing helped you with one
2: thousand being... percent. Mm. helped me become a better referee, just because it just taught me, taught me how to carry myself right. around adults, and you know, not telling people what to do, but just like you're going to respect what I have to say mm. at all times. So bef- before pre age of twenty one, it was a little difficult. After that, it was just fine. I'm able to handle myself pretty well after that which was great for me especially mm. with the job and all that stuff
0: so senior i wanted to go back to you i know you mentioned both of you eric sanders mm-hmm. how he's yeah. been influential of you getting into this game for sure um do you have any other mentors and how do you think you've helped people you know outside of your your kids and outside of me what you, what are the advice that you have given um that you think has been successful um when you're trying to mentor other people in this game
1: um, another gentleman that I also, you know, appreciate is uh, a gentleman. His name is Mr. Al Blah. Very excellent um, lacrosse official. Um, I did one of my first games with him, and he also told me, he told me, Rafael, don't worry about it. You know, we'll be fine through this game. I said, okay, if this man is talking like this, uh, I guess I'll be fine. So uh, we did we did a game together and. Um, you know, I threw my flag. You know, gave him my call, and um, he just walked me through everything. I mean, I owe a lot to Mister Al Blatt too. He he's also a very excellent official. I think he retired now as an official, but he's still in the game and he helps out. And he's also, um, you know, as a mentor, so um, he's good. But in my case, also, you know, younger guys that are come that are coming into the game and you know introducing them. I I tell them, just like I told you, you know, don't worry about it. You know, the game right now is fast for you. But once you start doing more games, you know, things will slow down. You'll start seeing more things, you know, and you'll start, you know, seeing the game a little better. And you'll become a better official.
0: And I'll just say hands down out of any association that I'm involved with, and I'm involved with a lot of associations, NCLOA Mm -hmm. is the most supportive group that I've ever been a part of, and I'm, I'm honored and privileged to be part of that group because yeah. they are born on the best in terms of development, support, um, and just really good advice. I mean, everyone really cares about the game, but that's that's to be expected with Nassau County Lacrosse. Yeah, no. It's just to be expected.
1: They're, they're very good.
0: Um, what do you think? Well, um, what are the attributes? I'm back to Junior. What are the attributes... That you think is going to get to what do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go, and where do you want to go ultimately in officiating?
2: Ultimately, I would love to become a college official. And I'm talking about like the Division One level. But on the men's side, on the men's side, yes. But with that, you have to have the time to do it, mm. and that's where my problem comes in. I have a full time job where my availability sometimes isn't great, especially when it comes to the actual basketball season. Um, so, you know, hopefully as my career progresses and by the time I'm able to retire, which won't be too long from now, luckily because of my job, I don't have to do that many years on, on, the, on the job, but, uh, that would be my ultimate goal to become a, a division one official. But like I said, it's just a matter of me getting the time to do it. Um, and that's all honestly, to answer the other question, um, what attributes you have to have the time to get all these things done. Yeah. You have to go to camps. You have to, you know work on yourself you have to be in shape you know you have to there's a lot of things that get get involved with and plus you got to be lucky too yeah but you know you just it's just things that you have to do outside of the regular season you know from october to you know march that over the summer that you have to have the time to do it and the money which sometimes can be difficult for other officials as well Mm. but you know just got to put in the time
0: I, th- I think you'll figure it out, and you're old enough that by the time you get all settled in your nine to five job, that mm-hmm. you'll figure it out. And I think I have some connections that can help you because they have the same job and do D one.
2: Much appreciated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then Ralph, where where do you see yourself? Uh, what do you where do you want to go with this? Um, and what's it going to take to get to where you want to go?
1: Um, I definitely want to continue, um, you know, and just um, work hard, get better. I've been doing it for a while, but, you know, I still want to get better. There's still much for me to learn. And, um, you know, as far as I can go, I'll, I'll definitely take it. Mm.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm st- sticking with you. Um, uh, can you describe your most stickiest situation that you've ever had while officiating?
1: Well, to me, it was a game that I did. It was um, it was a Lindbergh game, as a matter of fact, a JV game. And... a kid got hit, he got hit really hard um, in the head area and I kind of froze there and I held my flag when I should have thrown it and that was a sticky situation because I think, um, you know, that was a call that definitely should have been made and, um, you know, the parents got on me, the coaches got on me and, you know, that day, that was a tough one for me. But I had a, a, a excellent partner, and he basically kind of took control of the situation. And, um, you know, we finished off the game, but I think that that was one that, that I won't forget, you know. Was-
0: I have those same hesitations, too, because when you're first starting out, you can't discern if, you know, sometimes when they hit the helmet. Right. It's like, the, it, what's weird, because in basketball, it's automatic foul. Got you. But in lacrosse, you're you're taught to have much more of a hesitant whistle. Correct. So that hesitancy, it kind of messes up your brain sometimes because you're like, was yeah. that enough? Right. Oh, he hit his head, and everyone's seen it, and exactly. now it's too late because your credibility has already right. You know, your window of calling it has already been gone, and yes. now and you feel bad. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's bad. that's always something that I always want to tell people uh, that listen to this is that. You know, there's nobody that's going to feel worse about making something bad than an official. Correct. You know, they wish they could take that back. And, you know, oftentimes they're so um happy to just give you the vitriol that they want. But, you know, they got to understand that we're human, too, and that we we care about the game, too. We don't want to get it wrong. We're not out there to get it wrong. Exactly. Um Having said that, Junior, what was one of your most stickiest situations that you ever had officiating a basketball game?
2: I was—it's not even— about like officiating too much, like the game itself. But I was 19 years old. I'm in a park in Elmont. I'm not even sure it was a summer league game. And it was one of those games where the coaches pay you before the game. Like you get the game fee, and then you referee the game. I was young, and the coach was like, uh, "We don't have the money right now. We'll give it to you at halftime." I'm like, "All right." <laughs> yeah. <and> then, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You can see where this is going. Yes. So halftime rolls around. The game is actually going pretty good. It was a competitive game. I go to the coach like, "Hey, coach, uh, you got the fee." Uh, nah, I still don't have it. So at that point, I'm a little hesitant, but I'm like, um, all right, I, I trust this guy. So game progresses. The game gets sticky towards the end, uh, gets close, a little chippy. Re- co- that coach that didn't pay me yet wasn't agreeing with the calls that I was making. Hmm. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Game ends. Of course, his team loses, right? So now I have to go up to this gentleman and ask to get paid because, and now is he mad at me, but he lost, so I'm asking, hey uh, do you have the money? He's giving me the runaround, giving me the cold shoulder, takes his team far away from the park, and now I'm trying to wait I'm, I'm waiting for the commissioner to come and trying to get paid and then of course, I'd end up getting paid and then this guy gets in my face. He's like, hey, you know, I don't like the way he was reffing. Da, 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 da. It was a bad situation and almost got into a fight it was it was not good,
0: so if you could do it over again, you like you do the I call it the Andre Toulon trick where you say oh, I'm not riffing until you pay that's me. That's
2: exactly what I would do. That's exactly <laughs> what I would do right now. Yes.
0: But that's that's an awkward position to ask for a 19-year-old. I mean, it's awkward enough when you ask for money, mm-hmm. especially when you're a referee and you know, like, yeah. you rather you rather get the money before everything goes down. Correct. Because For sure. Because yeah. now it's like, I'm hanging this on you, and if it doesn't go my way, I might not give you the money. and then
1: Right.
2: right. Yeah. It was an experience on my part. I, like you said, I should have done that. Yeah. You know, well, get the money before. But now
0: you know better. Live and learn. That's all. What is the best experience you've had uh, in officiating thus far?
2: Uh, once again, it would definitely be basketball. I was assigned to do the Catholic League AA semifinal playoff game. And that was a huge honor on me. The game went well. It was, it was such a good feeling enough just to get the email from Phil and say, hey, you're going to be doing this game. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. So that was my biggest, I guess, accomplishment. Mm. It was... I, I loved it. it was was it this year? It was two years ago. It was two years ago. But it it was... It felt good.
0: I really look forward to doing one of those double-A games with you. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. Because that, that's going to... First of all, it's going to be weird that they're like... It's going to be Ralph and Ralph. And... Yeah. I've never refed with you. Like I've, I've just never. No, I've seen you that. at a camp, but right. I, like I just think of you as a basketball player. Right. Like, I'm like I'm jealous that you, you still play, <laughs> just jealous. And then back to you, senior. What is uh, your best moment ever in officiating?
1: To be honest with you, my best moments is when I do the younger kids, the little kids, because um, at that at that point, I'm refing the game, but I'm also teaching the game, mm. and I enjoy that so much. That is my best moment, actually, to be honest with you. I enjoy that so much. I'm in the game, and I'm also teaching the, the third graders, fourth, fourth graders, fifth graders, you know, the game, and, and just showing them. I enjoy that. That's, mm. that's the best part.
0: So the last thing that I wanted to speak to you, Junior, was um, just what does Baldwin mean to you? And we talked about this off air. Uh, you know, we're in South Baldwin. We're uh, south of Atlantic Avenue. Uh, And I'm all the way from the north. I lived behind McDonald's, Mm -hmm. you know, to the point that I I wouldn't even went to Baldwin High School. I lived on the border of Uniondale. So I went to Grand Avenue and I was supposed to go to Lawrence Road. My parents wouldn't let me. So I ended up uh, not going to Uniondale High School, but I went to a school in Uniondale called Kellenberg. So that changed a lot for me. So Baldwin, for me, you know, I have always been in the, I guess, the border of Roosevelt uh, South Hempstead, Rockville Center, Baldwin, and Hempstead, mm-hmm. um, and your area is a little different. It's it's more half Baldwin, and, and you live on the border of Freeport. Right. So, what does it mean to you? And I just wanted you to discuss your new podcast that you just started out. Yes. Um, and I'll just let you I'll let you take the floor.
2: Uh, I love Baldwin. Uh, I've been here all my life. I didn't come from a, a borough from the city, and moved. I was here all my life. Um, it's a diverse neighborhood. I was able to play every sport which I don't think every single town in Nassau County is able to do like I could have done anything that I wanted so I was able to play lacrosse, football and uh, basketball and luckily our basketball program is top notch as far as public schools and around the area are concerned so I appreciate a lot and some of my closest friends still live in Baldwin Mm. so I I love this town a lot
0: I always found it weird that Baldwin High School is in Freeport and Freeport High School is in Baldwin what's up with that? Yeah that
2: is weird That makes no sense
0: And, and it must have it was such a cluster in my head that you know somebody had to explain to me that mm-hmm. I live in baldwin, but i 'm not going to Baldwin when correct. I grow up correct right. i'm like well, why i don't know <laughs> and literally that that question I asked mm-hmm. until I was like twelve years old right and then I found out I was going to Kellenberg yeah. and it was yeah. all yeah. sorts of other problems yeah. but um, talk about um your new podcast. What's it called? What is it about? Mm-hmm. And
2: how can we find it? Yes. Yeah, so my podcast, it's called The Stoop Kids. I'm doing it with two friends of mine, Greg and Malik. Um, it's about movies, TV, music, video games, anything having to do with entertainment. Um, we are on iTunes and Spotify every Wednesday. We uh, only have one episode out so far, but we're, we're up and coming. We're getting there. Um, if you can, you know, give us a listen. Like I said, it's called The Stoop Kids. And um, it's just It's a second passion for me. Of course, basketball is my first love, but I also like movies and TV and all that stuff. So just to have a platform to talk about that and, you know, if you guys want to feel free and listen, that'd be much appreciated.
0: Well, I'll be listening because of your different vantage point of the same town that I lived in Um, and hopefully I could get invited to one of your episodes
2: too. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Do you guys have any final words before we part ways?
2: I just want to thank you for having us on, man. Much appreciated. Not very often I get to talk about refereeing with uh, other guys, especially on this platform. So it was cool. I, I enjoyed it. Cool. I was honored.
1: Definitely. my part also, I want to thank you you know, for inviting me. And um, much success with your um, podcast. I thank really, you. I really enjoyed it. It was my first one, and it was great.
0: I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So for Ralph the Ref, uh, the other Ralph the Ref, and the <laughs> other other Ralph the Ref, uh, all the Ralphs were saying peace. See you later. This is the rant. Bye.